Thanks to Third Love for supporting Muller, she wrote. Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone, so right now they're offering our listeners 15% off their first order. Go to thirdlove.com slash AG to find yours today. And thanks to Rothy's for supporting Muller, she wrote. Have you heard about this company making stylish shoes for women and girls out of recycled plastic water bottles? Oh, and they're insanely comfortable and machine washable. Get yourself a pair today with free shipping. Rothy's.com and use promo code AG. This is Jack Bryan, the co-writer and director of Active Measures, and you are listening to Muller, she wrote. Lucky you. So to be clear, Mr. Trump has no financial relationships with any Russian oligarchs. That, that's what he said. I, I, that's what I said. That's obviously what the, the, our position is. I'm not aware of uh, any of those activities. I have been called a surrogate at a time or two in that campaign, and I didn't have not have communications with the Russians. What do I have to get involved with Putin for? I have nothing to do with Putin. I've never spoken to him. I don't know anything about him other than he will respect me. Russia, if you're listening, I hope you're able to find the 30,000 emails that are missing. So, it is political. You're a communist. No, Mr. Green. Communism is just a red herring. Like all members of the oldest profession, I'm a capitalist. Hello, and welcome to Muller, She Wrote. I'm your host, A.G., and with me today is Jordan Coburn. Hello. Jaleesa Johnson is out today. She is a feeling under the weather, so we wish her well and send her our best. We do have a big show for you this week. We have tons of court filings and hearings to cover and uh, tons of Muller news. And I also wanted to let you guys know that starting July 22nd, which is, what, a week from tomorrow, mm -hmm. we are going to launch The Daily Beans. It's our new um, daily news pod. It's going to be released in the morning for you, for your morning commute. It'll be about 30 minutes, kind of much more reasonable <laughs> than the uh, hour and 45 we usually drop on you Sunday nights. Uh, we're continuing to do Muller She Wrote. As long as you guys continue to listen to it, it'll be here for you. And uh, also, if you go now to um, patreon.com slash the daily beans, it takes you to the patreon.com slash Muller She Wrote page because we're doing it all in one thing. So patrons for one are patrons for the other. So you don't have to be a patron on two different podcasts. And you'll get ad-free episodes of the daily beans as a patron. Um, we don't know, you know, as long as we remain independent, as long as the show remains independent, you'll get ad-free Daily Beans episodes there. You'll get our newsletter, which will be kind of geared toward both shows. You'll get all sorts of great gifts and things. And um, we're going to set up a video link in here and you'll be able to watch uh, watch us record the Daily Beans. So that'll be interesting if you're, <laughs> if you're interested in that. I don't, People love that. I don't know what it is, but people have asked for that. Um, and you get that as a patron, all for as little as three bucks a month. So head there, check it out. Um, member patron of one show is, is automatically a patron of the other. So if you're already a member, if you're already a patron of Muller, she wrote, you don't have to sign up to be a patron of Daily Beans. But you can get both just by heading to either patreon.com slash Muller, she wrote or patreon.com slash the Daily Beans. It'll be cool. Good deal. Yep. And we're also working on integrating our website together, too, so that the dailybeanspod.com will take you to the page for both shows. So. Anyway, and they'll be overlapping for a while, as long as this Mueller thing keeps going on. They keep pushing back his testimony. Yeah, they keep pushing it back. We'll be here as long as it as long as it takes. We promise. So, Jordan, how was your week? Uh, it was good. I got to. What did I do? I've been working out lately. 
Always. So that seems to define what's presently on my mind now. Uh, not in a Joe Rogan way, more like in an I'm in pain constantly way. <laughs> the soreness is at the front foremost of my mind every yes. moment situation. Uh, but yeah, it's been, a, it's been a good week. Good. How was yours? It was good. Um, it was, it was a lot, it was a lot of ups and downs, uh, with some of the court, uh, filings that we had and then the Mueller testimony was on and then it was off and then, um, you know, we're going to be in Philly that day. And mm-hmm. so we were, we were always going to be in Philly that day, but then it was going to be on the same day as the Mueller testimony. And then it came out that they're delaying it till the 24th. We're still going to be in Philly and Asha yes. Rangappa is still going to be joining us. Oh, cool. Um, so, uh. We'll be there and we will see you and we will still have plenty to talk about. I promise. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um, don't worry. It's not going to we're not going to get up there and be like, well, we got nothing. <laughs> um, there's so much happening, as you will find out in today's show. Uh, but let's see. We before we get to all that, we, all this news, we have my favorite segment. Corrections. It's a mistake. It's hard for me to say I'm sorry. I made a mistake. Okay, and the name of the guy in the mob that breaks thumbs for loan sharks is called an enforcer. Okay. That's what we were trying to find. That's right. the word we were trying to find. And if, and if you oh, if you don't, like aren't a patron, you don't listen to our daily updates, and you only hear our weekly episodes, you're going to hear a lot of corrections from the daily updates in here because you're going to be like, "What are you talking about? Who breaks thumbs?" Um, <laughs> And that, that was that came from a daily episode. Uh, we had said Shawshank Redemption wasn't quotable, and we got so many emails we could basically piece together the entire script. Nice, that was my bad. <laughs> but the line we received the most was "Get busy living or get busy dying." Oh, one hundred percent. I've heard that a million times. That was the one that we got the most. This is more just a function of my age, I imagine. No, though. I mean, you know, when I think quotable movies, I think more comedy, more like uh, Holy Grail, uh, Monty Python, or or. Or Anchorman or, you know, something like the Zoolander. But yeah, there's a lot of good quotes in Shawshank, but it is a it's a verbose movie. So, <laughs> yes, around the time that it was out and popular, I think I was uh, still child. Yeah, that's true. <laughs> so my friends weren't running around the playground quoting Morgan Freeman <laughs> and his plight of right. being a black man. And and carrying his wall yeah. out of his cell into the yard yeah. a handful at a time. Yes. Um, okay, so that we got that, and then the school is Penn, not UPenn. We don't call it UPenn. Um, no one should call it that. That's what I've been told. Go Quakers. <laughs> uh, the uh, Inspector General report on the DHS Department of uh, Homeland Security and Customs and Border Patrol or Border Protection was written by the DHS Acting Inspector General Jennifer Costello and not Horowitz, who is the right. Inspector General of the Department of Justice. Yes. And that's it. Those are the corrections. Okay, not that's bad. That's all we had. Yeah, not bad. Just three mistakes all week uh, cool. that, you know, people cared about anyway. <laughs> uh, if you have any corrections for us, do not hesitate to send them uh, by visiting com, clicking contact, and selecting corrections, where you can build us a compliment sandwich. We will get it right eventually. All right, guys, there's a lot to go over in news, so let's jump in with just the facts. All right, guys, this week, Deutsche Bank appears to be in a bunch of financial trouble as it slashes 20,000 jobs or about a quarter of its global workforce. And this is part of a major restructuring that involves cutting its brokerage program and shuttering offices in, in London and New York. 
Um, the bank, as we know, has been Trump's laundromat for years, and it recently paid over four hundred million dollars in fines, million dollars in fines for money laundering. William Barr banked there. Wilbur Ross used to work there, as did retired Justice Kennedy's son, Justin. Uh, and Epstein has investments and loans there as well. Yeah. Uh, and there are several investigations and congressional subpoenas involving Deutsche Bank right now, including the New York Attorney General, who has launched an investigation into Trump's finances. So, When we covered this in Daily Beans this week, one of our patrons sent me a note saying that maybe, perhaps, the reason why they closed offices in the UK and the US is because they have more strict, stricter laws when it comes to trading than, it, than they do in the other places that are still open. So that's that's an interesting theory. Yeah, that is weird. Mm-hmm. Huh. Yeah. Did they did they shut down their entire trading arm, though? I can't say for certain. Yeah, I don't know. But I remember when we reported on it Monday. Is I that know when it was came specifically out? New York and London offices, but I don't know if it was the entire brokerage arm and those exist in New York and London and those are the only ones or if they have other brokerage Yeah, the way that locations. it was re- reported made it seem like it was just a huge sort of like, okay, we're just not going to handle this stuff as its own entity anymore. Right. If someone's like representing a specific client and they need those services, I think I read that they would still obviously help like manage their stuff, but I don't know. Yeah, I don't know. I'd have to fact check myself on that. We'll look it up, but they are slashing a ton of jobs yeah. um, and... Uh, there's going to be, I think there was a loss of just like 200 jobs in New York alone and 20,000 total. So it's pretty big. That's a pretty big slashing. Uh, and in other rich asshole investigations news, Broidy, uh, Elliot Broidy is now reportedly under federal grand jury investigation for his role in the inaugural, more specifically that he used that position to strike business deals with foreign leaders. The U.S. Attorney's Office in Brooklyn recently sent subpoenas to 20 individuals and businesses tied to Brody. And this is all to see if he violated that Foreign Corrupt Practices Act, which says you can't offer foreign officials anything of value to gain a business advantage. Uh, And this is likely tied to the story we reported last month that FBI questioned his one-time business partner, Lisa Korbatov. She was um, the first of of his associates to be questioned in the case. And, of course, Steve Wynn, another former deputy finance chair of the RNC who also had to resign over a sex scandal, is said to be cooperating with the feds on the matter. This is um, not Steve Wynn, Las Vegas, Steve Wynn. It is. It is. Okay. Mm-hmm. And that's according to the Washington Post. Uh, Broidy was also bribed by Jolo in the 1MDB case where he was offered $75 million if he could get the money laundering case against him dropped. Uh, and the Broidy case is in the Southern District, which is federal, and it's overseen by the Department of Justice. And the Southern District of New York was also investigating the Trump Organization for fraudulent claims that the $140,000 in payments it made to Cohen were for legal work uh, when they were actually reimbursements for hush money payment payments, right? Mm-hmm. Cohen brought those checks in to Congress, member when he testified, mm-hmm. and they were signed by Weisselberg, Trump Jr., and Trump himself. And CNN reported that the investigation, that investigation, seems to have gone dark five months ago, but also failed to mention that five months ago is when Barr was confirmed. So I hope someone is looking into the termination of that probe so we can feel comfortable that the U.S. attorneys like in the Southern District of New York are pursuing actual justice and not just what Trump decides is okay. Because this whole Broidy case is in the Southern District. There's a lot going on in the Southern District of New York uh, and the you know the D.C. Uh, U.S. Attorney's Office and mm-hmm. U.S. Attorneys General all over. Or not a, Attorneys General, but U.S. Attorney's Offices. That's, the Attorneys General are different um, than U.S. Attorneys. But this is falls under the purview of, of Bill Barr. And if this investigation uh, into 
Cohen and the hush money payments in the Trump organization mm-hmm. was shut down. And they remember how Cohen mentioned those three execs and they never called him. They never followed up on any mm-hmm. of it. And it was Wiseman. Uh, he wasn't one of the three that I mean, additionally to mm-hmm. Weissman and um, Trump Jr. and Trump, there were three other executives. I, it might have included Weissman, too. There might have been an overlap there. I don't have the I don't have the Venn diagram in front of me, but um, <laughs> there was just there weren't there wasn't follow up done. Uh, and so that's just really weird. Um, and even in Congress, the Congress didn't bring those three execs in. To, yeah. But it might be it might have been because Southern District of New York was investigating. And there's no public documents on when it closed or why. Uh, no, it just seemed to have gone dark five months ago, hmm. uh, according to CNN. But they but CNN failed to mention that that's also when Barr, yeah. got, Barr got appointed February. Yeah, that um, would look too conjectury for them. I imagine probably a little too a little too beansy for them, but. Yes. Um, but yeah, that's where this Broidy investigation is. But that seems to be going on. Um, and, you know, as we know, Broidy was the RNC finance chair. OK, so, yeah, when we had reported on this earlier in the week um, during one of the daily things, he was like he had something going on with a couple of Angolan officials. And then uh, somebody from, I think, the prime minister of, uh, let's see, Romania or authorities in Romania, because in recent months, federal authorities searched Mr. Broidy's Southern California office and subpoenaed records related to him from a one-time business partner and from Mr. Trump's inaugural committee. Um, And they have reportedly asked authorities in Romania for assistance in investigating associates with Broidy worked with to win military intelligence contracts worth as much as $64 million in that country. Uh, And they charged four people who worked with Broidy on plans to influence the administration, including on behalf of interests in Asia and the Middle East and Europe, while the charges against the three three of his associates were unrelated to their work with Broidy. Most have asked, been asked about their, his relationship, their relationships with him, according to several people familiar with this investigation. So <clears throat> all taken all together, these steps suggest that there's mounting pressure on Broidy and they underscore legal questions raised by his efforts to, uh, you know, sell his access into... And, or his closeness to the Trump campaign and, mm-hmm. and parlay that into having massive business advantage advantages uh, in the weeks leading up to the election. So this is all very fascinating. There was a great article in the New York Times about it. You should check that out by Kenneth Vogel. Really good, really strong reporting. Uh, but I think, you know, Broidy's close to going down. But, uh, you know, as I'm talking about with this SDNY stuff, I'm just hoping that it doesn't get blocked somehow by interests. Mm-hmm. Uh, A.K.A. William Barr, <laughs> who now seems to be just working at the pleasure of the president when he's supposed to be working at the pleasure of us. Yep. And guys, it was a rocky week in the fight to add a citizenship question to the census. Uh, ultimately, um, uh, Trump caved and lost. Uh, but Andrew Torres and I will talk about that in more detail during the interview. I'm Stick to hear around that. for that. Yeah, it's really interesting. Um, he's got a lot of good information from the legal side of it for oh, us. Cool. Uh, and also this week, there were a few things that happened in the Epstein case, just a couple. Uh, as we know, he was arrested and charged with sex trafficking last Saturday, and the indictment was unsealed the following Monday when he was arraigned. Uh, as we know, over a decade ago, he was accused of sexually abusing girls as young as 14, but was given a sweetheart of a deal by the U.S. attorney in Southern Florida, who at the time was Alexander Acosta, who is, you know, now, well, was Trump's we'll labor yeah. secretary. <laughs> we'll get to that. Uh, he spent 14 months, uh, Epstein, on a work release jail sort of jail program, and his co-conspirators were offered total immunity in this in this deal. Uh, but he may have committed more crimes in more places as investigators are now looking beyond Florida and New York because these new charges were in New York. But they're looking in New Mexico at Santa Fe and uh, his wow. private island in the Caribbean. And he can get charged conceivably in each of those states. Yep. 
uh, spokesperson for the New Mexico Attorney General is said to be interviewing multiple people in Santa Fe who have visited the $12 million compound there that Epstein owns. And the, f- the findings from that and his private island would be sent to authorities in New York where he pleaded not guilty on Monday. So they could either send those to charge or they would be charged in their jurisdictions, mm-hmm. depending on the crimes. New York Times is now reporting he may have been abusing girls as far back as the 70s when he worked as a teacher at the Dalton School. And it was Bill Barr's father who hired him for that job, even Whoa. though even though uh, Epstein didn't have a college degree at the time. Uh, Donald Barr is his name. A couple of days ago, Epstein's attorney presented a bail package that was stupid, saying he would ground his jets, he wouldn't fly anywhere, he'd hand over his passports, I'll wear an ankle bracelet on my dick, I swear. Uh, I'll have a babysitter, and he put up his plane, and he put up his $77 million mansion as collateral, but prosecutors were like, you know, we're, we're going to seize your mansion in, in the asset forfeiture anyway, no thanks. Uh, we already have the mansion, basically. Mm-hmm. Uh, and also... Um, Epstein has access to over five hundred million in cash and assets right now, and then currently makes about ten million a year. So he's still a huge flight risk. Anyone with a jet is literally a flight risk, mm-hmm. <laughs> uh, and he can flee anywhere in the world. But not only did they say no to bail in this uh, in this filing that was put out, they accused him of witness tampering in the court filing because, as we know, at the end of last November, the Miami Herald released a series on Epstein. This was six seven months ago. And apparently within two days of that article being published, Epstein paid two co-conspirators, $350,000 total, yeah. 100000 to one and 250000 to the other. Uh, and for those reasons, he should not be allowed bail. And, you know, because we, we, we saw this go down in the Manafort case, witness tampering, they revoked his bail for it. Did we, Sorry, go ahead. Oh, and just that he's as recently as six or seven months ago, he's been tampering with witnesses, not to mention all the way back in Florida when he hired a private eye who ran one of the victim's fathers off the road or something like that. Yeah. Did anyone ever answer our question about if witness tampering technically is only witness tampering if there's like an active case going on? Against someone? No, nobody answered that okay, question. Okay, I'm curious. Because I saw the reporting say witness tampering as well, which makes me think that it doesn't have to be part of like an actual trial that's currently happening or whatever leads up to a trial for someone to witness tamper. But I see. Well, I mean, he has been arrested. And he paid these people after he was arrested? No, he paid these people Before. back in December or right. November, right after the articles started coming out in right. the Miami Herald. Yeah. I wonder then if he can actually get charged for that. Yeah, I think so. Cool. Uh, maybe. I mean, maybe you're right. Maybe he has to be arrested in order to tamper with these witnesses. But that seems like or it's that'd be clear some kind tampering. of a crime also right. if it's not specifically witness tampering. Right. Uh, Paying and people have to not talk about your crimes. <laughs> yeah. And they said, you know, this is a one-off situation, so they weren't recurring payments. So it's not like he was paying them for work or anything. Mm-hmm. Like bribery, maybe, or something. There, it's witness tampering. Yeah. Yeah. It's just totally, here's a bunch of money to keep your mouth shut. Yeah. And and I would tend to think that these would probably be his lieutenants, maybe like a, a Ghislaine Maxwell or mm-hmm. some of the other women who worked for him as co-conspirators and not like rich, wealthy, powerful co-conspirators because a $100,000 and a $250,000 payment isn't shit for, you know, like a, a Broidy or a Trump or something like yeah, that. Yeah, that's like a Stormy Daniels payment. It's a Stormy Daniels payment, yeah. exactly. So I think it's probably one of these women who work for him. Uh, and maybe not even that high up, because I, I would imagine that the women, the women who work for him probably get paid pretty well, but I, honestly, I don't know. They might be just working there because they have to. Because, uh, <laughs> mm-hmm. you know, he's got, he's blackmailing them. Mm-hmm. 
Uh, but anyway, he should he should not be allowed out on bail, uh, mainly not just because he has access and he's a flight risk but and he's got a jet, but also because he's tampering with witnesses and he's breaking the law still. He's he's currently criming. So you have to get him off the streets and keep him off the streets. We'll keep you posted as to what they say there. My beans are that he was uh, on this whole Epstein case is that he was actually blackmailing the super wealthy through his hedge fund, I think, and providing dirt on influential people to maybe even the Kremlin in Israel. Uh, mostly because his lieutenant, uh, we were talking about her, Ghislaine Maxwell, is the daughter of a former business associate of Mogilevich and the former prime minister of Israel. It's all over the newspapers this weekend that he has connections to Epstein as well. Uh, and it's even possible that one of those countries is what pushed Acosta into offering the Epstein deal. Um, as Vicki Ward reported that Acosta told the Trump administration that, quote, Epstein was above his pay grade. And uh, they hired him anyway as labor secretary. But as you were hinting at, he resigned this week um, after his press conference. He said he actually said he called to resign Friday and then did his press conference after Hmm. he resigned. It Hmm. it was just a weird timing thing. I think he was fired. Uh, Trump paraded him out uh, in front of the cameras and was like, this guy, I'm firing him pretty much. uh, Or he resigned and he's a good dude. And Acosta just sort of stood there and nodded his head like, yeah, I'm a good dude. Weird. It was a weird display. But uh, he's gone. Um, and that, that press conference was weird too. Um, he basically, he was asked about his secret breakfast meeting at the Marriott with, um, Epstein's lawyer, Lefkowitz is his name. And he was like, we already signed the deal by then. It wasn't a private meeting to get, you know, to figure out the deal. We'd already signed the deal by then, which is correct. A deal had been signed, but it didn't have the part where, he actually spoke with Lefkowitz to decide that they were going to allow or or have Epstein hire attorneys and pay for attorneys for the victims. Mm-hmm. And not only would he hire and pay for the attorneys, he had the right to veto any attorneys that he didn't want representing his victims. Hmm. That was in his non-prosecution agreement. And that was what was discussed at that breakfast. And, and Acosta admitted to that during his press conference. And he also said that that is specifically the reason that he didn't tell the victims uh, about the plea agreement, because he said, had I told the victims that Epstein was going to compensate them or pay them restitution through paying for lawyers for them and choosing their lawyers for them, that would kind of impeach their credibility as witnesses like Oh, you know, you're testifying or you you only have this lawsuit because Epstein's paying for your lawyer, right? Mm-hmm. You know, and so he didn't tell him. So he broke the law by not telling the Victims' Rights Act. He broke that law and didn't tell them because he thought that because Epstein was paying for their lawyers, it would impeach their credibility. Are they going to keep that a secret that he's paying for their lawyers until like the whole thing's over? Of course, they're going to find out he's paying for their lawyers. Yeah. And and we all just found out because, well, I mean, if you can look at the non-prosecution agreement and it says that not only is he paying for the lawyers, but he can veto he has veto power over what attorneys they pick for his for civil suits against him yeah that's such a shitty argument by acosta if that's really what it was it's like yeah i mean that's i think he was told that he couldn't do it and i think it might have been somebody high up not in our government but in a different one Hmm. maybe Mossad or the kremlin Hmm. but uh yeah he's not the secretary anymore um and he's going to be replaced by patrick pizzella Mm mm-hmm uh, who's already under scrutiny for his work with disgraced former lobbyist Jack Abramoff. You reported that this week, Jordan, in, yep. in one of our dailies. 
um, when they tried to pressure Congress not to impose a minimum wage in the Northern Mariana Islands, where at the time there was a maximum wage of $3.05 for foreign workers. But regardless, cost is gone. And uh, we had thought Bill Barr recused himself from the Epstein case, as he announced he would shortly after his arrest, after Epstein's arrest. And he also did in his confirmation hearings. But after he was arrested, he said uh, he told CNN or CNN reported he was going to recuse from all things Epstein. But then the next day, he unrecused himself from the new case, uh, saying he spoke to ethics people who told him he didn't have to recuse um, from the new one, just the old one, because Barr's old law firm represented Epstein in the old case. But Barr's father hired Epstein. He should be recused from everything involving Epstein. Uh, and I'm I'm 100% certain, although I have no proof of this, that he said he was going to recuse himself from all things Epstein after Epstein was arrested. Trump flipped out and called him and, and asked him to unrecuse himself, and he did. Um, just like Trump asked Sessions to unrecuse himself, but Sessions did not. Right. I think you're right, because there's too many. I mean, there's already photos <coughs> that exist of both of them together, and that alone could start just a huge nightmare for him. Maybe the, the media. Of two together? Trump and Epstein. Oh, right. I don't know, though. His base doesn't seem to give a shit about anything like that. Oh, but. he's totally connected into this. Um, he owned a modeling agency. I think he supplied some of the girls. But, yeah, uh, but. I think he is, too. So it makes sense to me that... Barr was asked to be unrecused or to unrecuse himself. Yeah, and and Trump has a pattern of uh, this is weird that now you have a pattern of asking people to unrecuse themselves. Mm -hmm. What the fuck? Uh, so he has a pattern of asking his attorneys general to unrecuse themselves mm -hmm. from stuff that he might be involved in. Yeah. So it's just it seems obvious to me. Um, you know, maybe it's tinfoil hat time. Maybe it's conjecture, but I'm right. As we used to say. <laughs> uh, this week, the Fourth Circuit has dismissed the emoluments lawsuit brought by the Maryland and D.C. attorneys general, saying they lack standing. So only the emolument suit, the, the only emolument suit left is the one brought by congressional Democrats. Maryland and, and D.C. could ask for the case to be reheard and bonk, which means in front of the full panel of judges at the Fourth Circuit and not just the three that decided this case. But also this week in, in the other emoluments case, Trump has prematurely filed an appeal basically ignoring Judge Sullivan's ruling that discovery can go forward in the Congressional Democrats' suit. Uh, yes, that Judge Sullivan. Mm -hmm. <laughs> uh, Trump is arguing that if his finances are made public, he would suffer irreparable harm. Your Honor, I object! And why is that, Mr. Reed? Because it's devastating to my case! Overruled. Good call! So, yeah, he, so he just basically admitted that if his finances, that his finances have all sorts of tragic shit in them mm -hmm. uh, that would implicate him and make him look bad. So he's just totally admitted that in, in this ruling or in this filing. He also says Sullivan's interpretation of emoluments is wrong, uh, as are his views on congressional oversight. And we'll continue to oh, follow. OK. The, yeah. <laughs> and we'll continue to follow the emolument stories for you as they unfold to see if this case is reheard. Or if they just drop it and, and focus on the, the Dems uh, lawsuit. Mm -hmm. And, you know, the, the standing might work better for the Democrats in Congress because Congress, by the Constitution, can provide oversight on emoluments. The, the, the Congress has to approve emoluments, right? So it makes sense for Congress to be the plaintiffs in this case. Might have been part of the reason. I haven't read the decision yet on why the case was dismissed from the attorneys general. But uh I talked to Andrew Torres about it. It won't be in this interview, but it will be available to patrons. We're going to release the entire oh, unedited nice. interview uh, for patrons because we talked for a good 20 minutes about emoluments. And he gave us a lot of really important, like, legal, factual advice on this. And, like, I have my feelings, but he has, you know, 
rules. Illegal feelings. Yeah. Because <laughs> I'm like, no, it's because it's Congress, right? He's like, sort of. And then he goes over the two different kinds of emoluments with me. and he t- he walks Oh, I didn't me. even know there were two. Yeah, he walks me through the whole thing. So check that out if you're a patron. Uh, also, uh, <laughs> Annie Donaldson handed in her written answers. She, she was supposed to come in and testify, but she didn't uh, to the judiciary because she was pregnant. And uh, she beats Hope, Hope Hicks' record for refusing to answer. She because Hope Hicks <laughs> refused to answer 155 questions, but she uh, hit over 200 on some kind of made-up privilege. Uh, as we know, Hope Hicks invoked the imaginary absolute immunity privilege, mm-hmm. but Annie Donaldson used constitutionally based executive branch confidentiality interests. Whoa. Executive branch. More words. So, yeah. So wait, let me read that again for you. <laughs> constitutionally based executive branch confidentiality interests. Hmm. Uh, that was her made up imaginary immunity. Did she say that whole thing every time she didn't answer a question? Yeah, well, she typed it out because <laughs> they were written. They were written answers. Oh, yeah, yeah. Uh, so, but yeah, she did type it out because I remember. Yeah, when Hope Hicks testified, Nadler after the fourth or fifth time of her spiel about the, she, he's like, you don't have to say it every time. Mm-hmm. Just say objection. Have a code word. Right. Just give us the high sign or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> but Annie was uh, writing her answer, so she mm-hmm. she wrote them uh, over two hundred times. She wrote that. Uh, she did tell the committee that Richard Burr called the White House and leaked targets of the investigation to them. Hmm. She remembers that happening. Uh, Burr needs to step down as the head of that, um, as of that of the Senate Intel Committee. I think personally, yeah, he should be removed. Yeah, they have been doing <laughs> one of like the most bipartisan investigations, so I give him some credit for that. So it is but. like it is, yeah, technically the most bipartisan investigation of all the committees. Yeah. Um, but uh, but still, I'm all for getting the GOP out of it. <laughs> <laughs> it would still be a GOP-led committee, but um, yeah, somebody. But would any take of place. them, yeah, any of them gone, even if they're replaced for some reason, yeah, is still a satisfying thought to me. Cornyn or something terrible. So I mean, we might just be better off with Burr there. Um, Donaldson provided some of uh, Annie Donaldson provided some of Mueller's most compelling evidence in the obstruction volume uh, for her multiple contemporaneous notes that she kept uh the judiciary committee she she's by the way don mcgann's uh chief of staff like main right hand girl friday uh the judiciary committee also issued 12 subpoenas this week a lot of them are folks who never worked for the administration so they can't use that weird blanket immunity although they'll come up with some other imaginary immunity i'm sure uh and some of these people include pecker and howard from the inquirer or american media inc uh, Keith Davidson, uh, former lawyers to Stormy Daniels and Karen McDougal, who I think was in cahoots with Cohen, uh, and Lewandowski also. But there's a lot of folks who worked for or are still working for Trump in this group of subpoenas, including Kushner, Sessions, Rob Porter, and Mike Flynn. So the news is saying kind of, oh, he's trying to go around the immunity thing by having people who weren't in the administration. But there's a lot of people who were in the administration. I think what they're trying to do is they're just trying to get every single person that that is involved in this on record subpoenaed as denying subpoenas. Probably they have to deny them twice so that they can just file a huge, like, one giant contempt lawsuit. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, and and we'll see what happens. And speaking of contempt, even though Pelosi is still fighting opening an impeachment inquiry, it appears she wants to vote next week on Tuesday to hold Barr and Wilbur Ross in criminal contempt mm-hmm. so she can enforce the subpoenas in the 2020 census citizenship case. Uh, as I say, that vote will take place Tuesday, according to Steny, Horry, Steny Hoyer, majority leader in the House. Um, Let's see. Trump's narrative against the investigations into him hit a road bump this week. This is all, you know, for for going back there, the you know Jim Jordan, Matt Gates, Trump, all the Trump supporters are harping on the 
oranges of the investigation and, and the Carter Page and spying and all that other stuff. And they seem to have Bill Barr on their side now. But they hit a road, they hit a road bump this week because the Inspector General Horowitz grilled the author of the dossier, the dirty dossier, as Trump calls it, Chris, <laughs> Christopher Steele, and found him to be very credible. And uh, this is one of their biggest sticking points. This is one of their, it's a bullshit argument, but this is one of Trump's major arguments is that the Steele dossier was used to get a FISA warrant to spy on the Trump campaign. Mm -hmm. And that's wrong for 800 reasons, because first of all, the FISA application was over 800 pages and the Steele dossier is like 17 pages long. Um, and it was used as part of to get the FISA warrant to to surveil Carter Page, who has been a Russian asset two other times in his life, 2008 and 2013. We've got it on record. Um, and so and Carter Page left the Trump campaign before the FISA warrant was put in mm -hmm. to look at look into him. So it's like nine ways wrong. And now but now that, you know, they're they're actually Horowitz, who is the inspector general under Trump, he's an Obama holdover, is saying, now nah, he's a credible dude. He's credible. They had been conducting a probe, like I said, into the, uh, they've been doing this for over a year. Michael Horowitz has been looking into it. Um, but this questioning of Steele was about to work, uh, was about his work on Russian election interference globally and his intelligence collection methods and his findings about Carter Page. But investigators with the IG not only say not only is he credible, but his his testimony was surprising. So mm -hmm. there, apparently there was some new stuff they found in there. I don't know. Hmm. Why do you think Trump hasn't tried to get rid of his IG yet? I don't know why Horowitz is still there. Yeah. It's interesting, right? Mm -hmm. Because Horowitz came out and found he they were wrong when they said Page and Strzok were biased and it impacted their work. They found out they were wrong when uh, Comey, and uh, you know, Comey's handling of the Clinton email stuff um he, they said it was messed up but he didn't break any laws you yeah. know he's sided with the correct answer uh, against trump a few times yeah so i'm i've been waiting for him to be let off the you know to Same. be kind of it seems like that's the first person you'd try to get rid of the inspector as General. an obama rollover yeah specifically yeah. in the department of justice mm -hmm. right and Barr is there now and i'm surprised Barr didn't get rid of him when he got in there yeah but I mean, Barr is the person who would be inspected by the inspector general. So maybe that's a conflict of interest and would not, not that that's ever stopped this administration from doing anything before. Yeah. Uh, <clears throat> next two stories are about Flynn and about the Psy Group. And we're going to go over those in hot notes. Uh, lots of stuff happening with Flynn this week. Lots of stuff happening with Psy Group. Um, and uh, we'll cover that in a little bit. Uh, Sater also testified this week behind closed doors and apparently did a shitty job because the Senate Intel Committee said he was very uncooperative and they want to keep him under mm -hmm. subpoena. Uh, Sater's the guy who worked with Cohen on Trump Tower Moscow and makes an appearance in the Mueller report uh, several times, actually. And then um, we had uh, some interesting things happen in the Greg Craig trial. Our Democrat, our one Democrat guy caught up in the Mueller probe. <laughs> yeah. Jordan's going to have that for us in Hot Notes. Indeed. And the Mueller testimony uh, has been delayed, as we said, one week and will now take place July 24th. It's going to be one hour longer in the Judiciary Committee. Apparently, freshman members were pissed they didn't get their five minutes and fucked the whole thing up, pushing it back another week so they can get their five minutes on TV to ask questions. So they better be good or I'm going to be mad. And our apologies to Philly. We thought we'd be there the night of the testimony. But as I said, the inimitable Asha Rangappa will still be joining us on stage along with Andrew Torres. And we can't wait for that. And mm -hmm. then we're going to have the meet and greet the following day. And I've, we've got, got a good lot of people coming to that. So it's going to be really fun. Yeah. That also means that our Chicago show is going to be extra fun. 
because it's a couple days after that. Yes. The Mueller testimony. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And Renato Mariotti is going to be joining us for the Chicago show. Maybe we can pull in somebody else since it'll be right after that testimony. We'll mm-hmm. see. Uh, and the Mazars case had oral arguments uh, this week, Friday morning. I listened to them because um, I'm a nerd. And can you give a quick recap of that? Of that origin just of the Mazars case. Oh, yeah. I was like, of what? Yeah, sorry. <laughs> I, mean, I thought you were going back to the Mueller oh, no, no, thing. No, 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 yeah, quick recap of the of the Mazars case. As a refresher, the Oversight Committee subpoenaed Mazars accounting firm for Trump's financial documents, and Trump filed a lawsuit against them suing Elijah Cummings personally and the Oversight Committee, saying they had no legal standing to do this. Consovoy, Trump's lawyer, this week, is arguing on behalf of Trump, told the three-judge panel... Uh, that the Oversight Committee does not have the power to investigate the president. And the attorney for the Oversight, the Oversight <laughs> Committee, Oversight <laughs> Committee, uh, Douglas Letter, basically argued that that was idiotic. And one judge, the Trump appointee, her name is Rao, she asked a lot of questions about the separation of powers, and she seemed to give the hardest time uh, to our side. But the, the other two judges seemed to be siding with the Oversight Committee. Um, there, it's not a slam dunk. I didn't, I didn't get the feeling that it was like, oh, this is a slam dunk, but it should be. But I also got the feeling that a lot of the judges were asking questions just to make it seem like they were not biased or they didn't have to to already have their minds made up because they aren't biased. It's just the law is the law. Um, so I mean, I guess if you're biased towards the law, which is what you're supposed to be (laughs) if you're a judge. Um, but anyway, my beans are the Dems will win this either two to one row dissenting or three to nothing. And Trump will then appeal and bonk. So it can be probably either heard before the entire panel or to the Supreme court, just go to straight to the Supreme court. The Dems will ultimately win. I think, uh, no later than spring. And you can hear Andrew Torres and I um, posit about it during the uh, interview in mm-hmm. a little bit. So stick around for that. Yeah, I say keep pushing it back. And then when it comes out, it'll be like high time for election season. Yeah, I think I think it'll probably come out sometime around this spring, sometime mm-hmm. maybe early next year. I don't think they'll get it before the end of the year, uh, but they could get it in August session. We or you know, we don't know. We'll see. Yeah. Um, but it's it's fast tracked. So Mazars. And right. that's a, that was a whole friendly subpoena too. If you if you recall, yes, I do remember that <clears throat> because uh, you know the the oversight committee is like, hey, we we want these documents. And Mazars was like, we're all cool to hand these over. These are our documents; they belong to us. Even though Consovoy, Trump's attorney, argued in court, you know, these are Trump's financial documents, and 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 the <laughs> Douglas Letter, who is the oversight committee lawyer, is like, there's no such thing as accounting accountant privilege. Mm-hmm. You can't claim <laughs> that. These documents belong to a third party. We're subpoenaing the third party. They've agreed to hand them over. Mm-hmm. And they asked for a subpoena so that it could they could basically go to Trump and say, we wish we could have helped you out, bro, but they gave us a subpoena. You know, yeah, that's totally. kind of what the friendly subpoena means. So we'll see how that ends up. I'm, I, I'm really confident it's going to still come down on the side of the Dems, even if it goes up to the Supreme Court. Um, I think... I think Roberts can be shamed mm-hmm. into voting the right way. Yeah, so I hope so. He Seems pretty cut and dry. So he doesn't embarrass his legacy. Yeah. Uh, and then Facebook was fined $5 billion for Cambridge Analytica privacy violations. God damn. Largest fine Drop ever. in the bucket for that. <laughs> yeah, totally. Well, that's the thing, right? Because this is, <laughs> while it's the largest fine ever levied by the Federal Trade Commission, uh, it's still just a drop in the bucket for them. It's like a it's like a parking ticket. And if you remember the political consultancy company, co- political consultancy company formerly known as Cambridge Analytica, now known as Emmerdata, improperly obtained private information on more than fifty million of us. 
uh, Facebook users. In 2012, Facebook promised it would better protect user privacy in a legal consent decree because they were in trouble for this before. And the FTC found that that decree had been violated when they gave this information over improperly to uh, Cambridge Analytica. But when with this fine, it's a, just a fine. There, no new rules or stipulations come with it. So this is good news for Facebook. It's mm-hmm. so good, in fact, that the stock jumped 1% when oh, the announcement God. was made Friday. <laughs> All they have to do is pay the fine. They, aren't, they don't have to follow. They don't, you know, usually when the FTC comes at you, uh, they'll come at you with a fine and then all these new stipulations yeah. like you can't do this. You have to do this. You have to report your everything you hand over. You have to give. There's got to be oversight. There's usually some rules attached. Nothing. No rules attached to this fine. So weird. Did you see Netflix is doing a documentary on Brittany Kaiser? No. Yeah. Dude, that's uh, Jaleesa's like I know favorite fantasy, fantasy indictment. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Or at least it looks to be, I think that the overall topic is everything, but they're sort of picking Brittany Kaiser as like the center, it seems. Yeah. Of, she of was the... a former CEO of Cambridge Analytica. Yeah. Uh, and as we know, it became, they switched their name. It became Emmerdata and everybody just sort of transferred over to that. And they were trying to hide, get their computers out of there and, and take them over to Emmerdata and do that all secretively. And it's just all a big facocta mess and we know that um brad parscale who was the data point guy in the 20 the 2016 campaign for trump is now he's been appointed as as his campaign finance chairman so that or not finance chairman just camp chairman hmm. the manafort mm-hmm. uh which means he'll probably end up in jail so <laughs> yeah it's just not a smart job to take no it's cursed brad with your beard <laughs> it's a good beard though uh, also, Carla Provost, Trump's Border Patrol chief, uh, it's found out she was a member of the I'm 1015 group. Mm, great. The Facebook group of over 9,500 Border Patrol officers that was recently shut down for making horrific racist and sexist posts. That's about half the entire Border Patrol, who later this week in a statement said, this is not the voice of the Border Patrol, but it is actually literally the voice of the Border Patrol. <laughs> and they were saying things like, about a 16-year-old Guatemalan boy that was sick. They posted a, po- a photo of this sick boy and said, if he dies, he dies. Or they, they when they had the picture of the two, you know, the, the father and daughter that were found uh, in mm-hmm. the Rio Grande, somebody said, have you all seen floaters this clean? Oh, my God. Uh, and then they had vulgar memes of, of uh, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez um, simulating her giving oral sex to uh, Trump or to a Border Patrol guard. Um, saying that when she shows up, they'll throw warm burritos at her or something like that. Just awful, horrible, racist, sexist nastiness. Uh, And the Border Patrol chief was part of this. There were a lot of supervisors, but the the chief was in there, too. So that's terrifying. Gross. Yeah, it is. And that that just that whole story is sickening. Uh, So anyway, um, guys, uh, we will be back in just a few seconds. Hey, this is AG from Muller She Wrote, and I am totally obsessed with Third Love now, you guys. I have replaced every single one of my bras with Third Love bras. So I've got my push-up bra, my t-shirt bra, my work bra, my fun bra, my cocktail bra, my low-cut, and my dummy. Like, everything I've got now is from Third Love. Not only are they co-owned by a woman, and not only do they show real women's bodies in their advertisements... 
And not only are they totally disrupting the male-dominated bra industry, go ladies, but their bras are by far the most comfortable, perfectly fitting bras I've ever owned. And that's because they have this awesome, easy-to-use fit finder, and they use millions of measurements by real women. So they use, like, mega data to, to put all this together from real women. And they don't just consider your number and your letter. They take into account issues you have with your off-the-rack bras, like if the straps dig or if you have cup spillage. And as part of their fit finder quiz, they consider cup shape. And they're the industry leader with like over 70 sizes, so that's amazing. So it's easy to use, just pop online, take their 60 second Fit Finder quiz. They help you identify your bra size, your cup shape, and they have half sizes too, because 50% of women, like me, fall between cup sizes. And I could never get the perfect fit till I used Third Love, and Third Love made it possible. So they have the, also a 100% fit guarantee. Returns are free and easy, and you have 60 days to wear it, wash it, put it to the test, and if it's not perfect, just return it. And get this, Third Love will wash it and donate it to a woman in need, and that's incredible. So as I said, returns and exchanges are free and easy. It's the most comfortable bra you'll ever own, and they help women in need. Seriously, my favorite new company, best fitting bra I've ever worn. So Third Love knows there's a perfect bra for everyone, so right now they're offering our listeners 15% off your first order. So go to thirdlove.com AG now to take the Fit Finder quiz and find your perfect fitting bra, and you'll get 15% off your first purchase. That's thirdlove.com AG for 15% off today. You'll be glad you did. All right, welcome back. Hot notes. All right, so this week, Jordan has an update for us on the case against Democrat Greg Craig. But first, Jordan has an update for us on the side group as well, because you're covering for Jalisa today, who's out. She's sick. We, we, you know, we've sent her our love. We hope she gets well soon and has a speedy recovery. Uh, but yeah, Jalisa has been our girl Friday on the side group. But now, mm-hmm. you know, so we're going to cover for her today. And so uh, since... Since she's not here, can, yes. you, can you tell us what's going on Indeed, with the side group? Indeed, yes. So the Senate Intelligence Committee that we were just talking about, uh, they've sent an inquiry to side Group's founder, Roy Bernstein, uh, and owner of side Group, Joel Zamel, who we've talked about a lot on the podcast, in their continuing investigation on election interference. So side Group is a group that offered to help Trump with social media manipulation in the 2016 election and has really strong links to Israeli intelligence. Uh, Zamel was also present at transition team meetings when the undermining of Iran and the ultimate takedown of its regime was being discussed, the Daily reports. So I haven't heard that, the Daily Beast reports. Yeah, I hadn't heard that until I read this. So, So the Iran nuclear agreement. Yeah, apparently he was there talking with, also Eric Prince was a part of those meetings. Yeah, because I remember that they had targeted the two guys who wrote the Iran deal, um, basically, uh, and they were Obama guys, and they were getting like death threats and stuff like that. I remember reporting on that, but I didn't know Zamel was a part of those discussions, too. Yeah, so it looks like there's a lot to be discovered, so that's going to be a new focus for them, I imagine. Um, I don't know if that information is new that the Daily Beast is just reporting that, or if they already had that information. And- yeah, I never heard of it, and we usually don't miss stuff, but... So I'm I'm get, I'm thinking it's new, but that's just my ego saying, oh, if yeah. I've never heard of it, it's new. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but there's a lot that we haven't heard of. So, uh, but you know, once again, we thought the entire Mueller report was going to be mostly shit we'd never heard before. And it's everything we reported on. Mm-hmm. So there was only like so far, you know, going, you know, word by word, step by step, page by page in the first volume. There's only been a couple things that we that were new to us. But yeah, um, this could be an old reporting that we just didn't pick up on. Definitely. Yeah. Pretty big deal, though. Bannon was there, too. 
I read. So it's it's um, yeah. And these guys were all part of that August third, twenty sixteen meeting, which which uh, the author of Proof of Conspiracy and Proof of Collusion, two books, really outstanding books, Seth Abramson has dubbed the most important part of this entire investigation was that August third meeting. Uh, that's when they talked about the social media manipulation campaign mm-hmm. that XAML put together. There was a couple of different proposals. Apparently, they said they didn't use any of them, but Nader, Nader, George Nader, who's been arrested for child pornography uh, and was given partial immunity in this case, not the child pornography case, um, had paid XAML $2 million um, after Trump won the election for, I guess, for because they didn't use their products. Uh, you know, know. Yeah, that's a lot of... They have like a... Like a idea deposit. It's <laughs> <laughs> a lot of money. And and, and and it's after Trump won. Yeah. Hmm. Very weird. Hmm. Very weird. And they're they were offering help effectively to any sort of power that had any interest in taking down Iran. So Saudi Arabia, uh, the person that wound up being ultimately blamed for Khashoggi's murder was involved in those talks as well. Yeah. So it's a pretty big... It's a big deal. It's a pretty big deal. And then we've got Soriano, this mystery British guy who's worked with Israel, Psy Group, Wikistrat, yeah, he's, Black Cube. He's just in the middle of like everything. Yeah. Yeah. And he's got connections to all of them. And and there's some really great uh, reporting out from Forensic News that's run by Scott Stedman. You should check out. He, I think he tweeted about it. I retweeted it. So go to, if you want to check it out, at Mueller, she wrote on Twitter. Uh, and see see what he's writing about with Soriano because he's been questioned um, by the Senate Intel Committee along with Zamel mm-hmm. and that Royy guy. Mm-hmm. What's yeah. his last name? Roy, Roy Burnside. Burnside. Yeah. yeah. Very very interesting. Very yes. Stuff. Mm-hmm. So, all right. And then what do you got for us on the? Uh, Our Democrat. Yeah. <laughs> Our Craig, one Democrat Craig, yeah. guy who broke the law. <laughs> He, yeah, he had a hearing in he, court. He, yes, he did. This is a pretty short update. So on Wednesday, uh, the judge in his case granted a motion by his defense attorneys to keep the jury from hearing about Greg Craig's efforts to get Manafort's daughter a job at his law firm when Craig was working on that whitewash paper on behalf of Ukraine or what happened in Ukraine and their essentially right the Temeshenko thing trying yeah to, the trying awful to say that she was a she should have been in prison I think. yes exactly um and so yeah judge amy bourbon jackson said that i find the probative probative value of the evidence to be quite minimal it's hard to characterize it as much more than an effort to go after the defendant's character in general end quote so they're not going to allow that to be seen by the jury could be prejudicial and i think it she is. said they already have they definitely enough, said it was prejudicial like they already have enough evidence to show that he was willing to do what manafort asked 100 percent. that's exactly what she said she said there's already so many other things she said basically i believe in you to bring the court something else that's not so blatantly just trying to be like well he did this yeah, <laughs> kind of dick. yeah yeah but i don't know i think it's like i think it's understandable that that's that's a toss-up right because offering someone's family member a job that has other implications outside of just being like one time i saw him push a homeless guy <laughs> you know it's like it's not like it's a complete non sequitur <laughs> right yeah it's that's like, true it is connected yeah um, but not enough not in a way that she thinks is consequential enough yeah so uh, but his trial set to start August 11th. Yeah. So we will be following that. Yeah. And I also think he wanted to strike a line um, from his indictment and she refused yes. to strike that line. Um, 
something bad about him. Man, he's a criminal. Yep. Uh, but he's, yeah, basically he, he was working with Manafort mm-hmm. and Vanderswan and Skadden Arps on this whole mm-hmm. whitewashed report thing. And uh, he failed to f- register. Yeah. As a foreign agent. And I know, too, one of the counts, I think, against him, um, or one of the things they're examining is how much he, like, peddled that report, and it looks like they're not going to really have too much to accuse him for on that front of actually doing anything outside of just, like, presenting it. Yeah, which is still lobbying. Right. Technically. Right. And he is a lobbyist. Mm -hmm. He shouldn't have worked for Manafort. Yep. All right. Thank you for that. Yeah. Mm Mm-hmm. All right, Flynn, Flynn, <laughs> Flynn, Flynn. Uh, as it turns out, the most cooperative Mueller witness is a fraud. <laughs> you remember how they're like, we gave him, offered no jail time because he, he cooperated early, he cooperated often, he was just such a robust cooperator, well, he's a pile of shit. Uh, back at the beginning of June, we got the news that Flynn was firing his lawyers and replacing them with other counsel. And most folks speculated this was simply a money-saving move since most of his case was over and there's only sentencing left to go. Uh, but having just gotten released uh, the voicemail of Trump's lawyer dangling a pardon to Flynn's lawyer and that flag and eagle gif message fiasco to Matt Gates after he trashed Mueller on Fox and then again after Barr was nominated, uh, I decided I thought that the reason he was switching lawyers was because he was trying to back out of his plea deal. Mm-hmm. And a lot of folks thought I was being a little tinfoil hat about that. But when we found out who his new lawyer was, uh, none other than Sidney Powell, uh folks started to change their tune about mm-hmm. that right so this is she's a right-wing nut job she's a Mueller hater she was called uh the special counsel's she called the special counsel's office creeps on a mission and she even bought <laughs> creeps on a mission.com and sells creeps on oh a mission my shirts God. yeah how, how did i forget about that yeah creeps on a mission she said on several occasions that she, occasions that she shot she thought flynn's lawyers fucked him and that he should withdraw his plea deal i can't believe he pled guilty and that trump should pardon him and he shouldn't be cooperating with the government well, this week, it's all tumbling down. Uh, it's all coming tumbling down. As we learned from a court filing that Flynn's cooperation with the government blew up during trial prep for the upcoming case against Bijan Rafikian, also known as Bijan Kian, uh, and his associate, Alptikin, who all they all worked together lobbying for Turkey uh, without registering. And Bijan Kian and Flynn owned a lobbying firm, and they failed to register as foreign agents when they lobbied for the Turkish government, on behalf of the Turkish government, to the United States. And Flynn wasn't charged with that because a part of his cooperation agreement with the government. He was only charged with one count of lying to the FBI when he covered up his chats about sanctions with Russians and Turkey. Um, so he he was only charged with lying mm-hmm. to the FBI and was, uh, and was recommended zero jail time by Mueller. And as part of the agreement, Flynn admitted to failing to register as a foreign agent with regards to his work with Bijan Kian and Alptekin on lobbying on behalf of the Turkish government. Well, now he's saying that he didn't intentionally lie on his FARA forms, on his registration forms, and that his old lawyers messed them up and he didn't know what he was signing. And this has led the government, led to the government pulling Flynn as the star witness in the Bijan Kian trial, saying they no longer trust what he says and he's not a credible mm-hmm. witness anymore. And they say they have tons of documentary evidence and can win the Bijan Kian trial without him. They can win the case. But he's been removed as a cooperating witness and reclassified as a co-conspirator. And not only does this dumbass move, like, now this opens him up to being charged with breach of plea. And he, he could also be charged with all the stuff he wasn't charged with as mm-hmm. part of the cooperation, like not registering as a foreign agent. But he's he's pissed off Judge Sullivan enough already 
who delayed his sentencing in a hearing last December when he called him a traitor to the United States and asked the lawyers if they'd considered treason charges and told Flynn he doesn't want him to sentence, you don't want me to sentence you right now. You should go forth and try to cooperate some more. Um, because even though Mueller recommended zero jail time, Sullivan was seeming like he was going to put him away. He was going to put him behind bars, asking about treason, saying, you you know, shit all over my flag. He was mad, right? And then he tried to get the, them to release the Kislyak conversations, but the government objected and, and Sullivan agreed. But he did release the Dowd um, voicemail. Uh, but after the government removed Flynn as a witness and changed him to a co-conspirator, Sullivan then ordered both sides to file a brief saying, how is this going to affect our D.C. case? And the government responded saying they don't know uh, how this could change or impact Flynn's sentencing in the D.C. case and asked for a delay in the sentencing until after the trial. It seems they want to see how everything's going to shake out. Like, is he going to fully back out or what's he going to do? Um, but if he's why after the trial, I don't know, because he's not going to be in the trial anymore. Mm-hmm. But Flynn filed his response uh, to that and said uh, he's fully cooperating. He's he's lived up to his cooperation. He's completed his cooperation. He's satisfied his cooperation and he's continuing to cooperate. And this shouldn't affect his D.C. case at all. And they also asked for a delay in sentencing. But he's not cooperating. Yeah, you can't have it all, dude. Yeah, that's exactly what she wants. She wants to say he is cooperating, but he's not going to testify. And he's now he's, you know, the government's calling a co-conspirator and not a witness, Mm -hmm. not a cooperating witness. But even though Sullivan is pissed, Flynn and his lawyers might not care because they might have either been promised a pardon or expecting one, just as Dowd promised in the voicemail that he left for Flynn's lawyer. So they're saying that his lawyers messed up his paperwork. And uh, Mueller forced is forcing Flynn to lie and is now retaliating against him for it. Retaliating? <laughs> By recommending no jail time? Yeah. And check this out. Are you ready for sabotage? Oh, yes. In a court hearing on Friday, Flynn's hearing, we learned some previously unknown but widely assumed shit. Uh... That we had uh-huh. <laughs> that he was actually doing secret work for the government of Turkey because of his relationship with an ongoing presidential campaign. Uh, prosecutors wrote to Bijan Kian's lawyer that the government was in possession of multiple independent pieces of information relating to the Turkish government's efforts to influence the U.S. policy uh, on Turkey and Fatula Gulen. Mm-hmm. Uh, Gulen was the cleric guy that they paid 15 million dollars to kidnap paid Flynn, tried to pay Flynn 15 million dollars to kidnap and extradite on his own, not through the government. <laughs> Uh, including Liam Neeson style. Yeah, Liam Neeson style. (laughs) And this included information relating to communications, interactions, and relationships between Akeem Altikin and Michael Flynn and Akeem Altikin's engagement of Michael Flynn because of Michael Flynn's relationship with an ongoing presidential campaign without any reference to the defendant of FIG, which is the lobbying group, uh, Flynn's lobbying group. Uh, Sydney Powell responded saying she had no idea what the government was talking about and the whole thing smacks of desperation. (laughs) Whatever it is, it can't be new information to the prosecutors, and they had it when they recommended no jail time. And as we've said in our recent filings, this can only be retaliation for his refusal to answer a question the way that they wanted. That's backwards. a lot more than, yeah, that's like not cooperating anymore is not not answering a question <laughs> the way they wanted to. Right. <laughs> like the question being, do you want to cooperate or still? Or he wanted to cooperate still, but they might have pulled him off of the cooperation because he's not a credible witness. Yeah, 
But you know, yeah, yeah, that's that's fair. I guess he wasn't like, screw you guys. I'm explicitly not cooperating anymore. But, but it by was, answering them that way, it was the way to get it out. Yeah. yeah, it was the way to do that. So Flynn's lobbying group contracted uh, with Alptekin to smear Gulen in the U.S. on behalf of Turkey, which required them as lobbyists to register under the Foreign Agents Registration Act. And we learned that Flynn has more ties to Alptekin than previously thought. And of course, we all know that if he blows up his plea agreement, he opens himself up to being charged for things he was forgiven for for cooperating in the first place. So with all that in mind, are you ready to play the Fantasy Indictment League? Yes. I'm going to be indicted! No, wait, it's going to be a... Indicted! Honey, dick. Indicted! Honey. I'm going to be indicted! Hold it, they can't. It's going to be okay. Just calm down. I can't calm down. I'm going to be indicted! All right, I get to go first this week, and I am going with Flynn. I think he might be brought up on some additional charges. Good call. Um, I'm going to go Soriano. I think that they're going to start looking into a lot more stuff that they didn't look into as much before. For sure. He was on my list this week, too. Nice. Uh, I'm going to go with the inaugural. Okay. Um, I'm going to go with Zamel. Zamel. Good. Cool. <laughs> Zamel, good. Good. Cool. cool. Good. Very legal. Very cool. <laughs> very legal pick. I'm going to go with Broidy. Oh, yes. Um, okay. I'm going to go with... I'm going to go with Rory, Roy. Oh, Roy. Roy. Yeah. Yes. Thank you. Mm-hmm. Roy Bernstein. Uh, put me down for Lisa Korbatov. Okay. Who's she again? She's the uh, associate of Broidy. Ah, yes. Okay. So many names. Mm-hmm. I'm going to go with Tom Berg. Yeah. I've had that freaking dude on my list for so freaking long. Is that five or do I have one uh, more? You have one more. Go with, uh, hmm. Pecker. All right. <laughs> I've selected Pecker. Um, and I will do a rando. Noise. Okay. Cool. Cool. And that's the Fantasy Indictment League. Yeah, there we uh, go. Post your picks. Uh, go to the Mullers of... Uh, Friends of Justice Facebook page. Uh-huh. That's our closed group. If you're a patron, patron we'll yeah. allow you in. And uh, you find the post that's in announcements. It's usually pinned there, and you can pick your five. And uh, you can pick whichever five you want. You don't have to not pick who we picked. Yeah. <laughs> um, <laughs> uh, we want you to use our picks to make you, you know, inform your picks. So check that out. Um, and if you're not a patron, be one. And you'll be one for the Daily Beans, too. And that's going to be ad-free episodes for you. And maybe video. Maybe we'll do dances. I don't know yet. It'll be great. But it's it's three bucks a month, you guys, for two shows, all that additional content. Meet and greets if we ever come to your city. Yeah, and we do Mm -hmm. pre-sale and stuff like that. So you can get like your first pick of good seats during our live shows and and come to the meet and greets first because those sell out real fast and Mm -hmm. and we sell it to patrons first. So anyway, we want you to become one because we love you and uh, we think it's worth it. And uh, it also helps pay for uh, our health benefits for our staff. So thank you for that. We appreciate it. And we will be right back with the interview. Hey guys, AG here to tell you about my new favorite shoes, Rothy's. Rothy's look good, they feel good, they're sustainable, which is very important to us. They pack well, and they're literally the most comfortable shoes I've ever owned. 
Rothy's come in all kinds of colors and patterns, and they're available in four different styles, including the flat, the loafer, the point, and the sneaker. And they transition beautifully from work events to cocktails to happy hour. I can wear them with yoga pants, skirts, dresses, jeans, suits, whatever I'm wearing, they go with them. So I love these shoes so much. And when we do live shows, I'm on my feet for hours. And Rothy's are the only shoes I can trust me to get through it. And they launch new colors every week. They're constantly selling out. They're just absolutely fantastic company. I have one of each style. I bought them all in black because <laughs> that's just how I am. But I have, uh, I wear them everywhere pretty much. And uh, they pack really well. Like I said, they're breathable, machine washable, which is huge. And they go with everything. Mm-hmm. And you guys know how important sustainability is to us at Muller She Wrote. And I'm happy to say Rothy's are made in a zero waste factory. And they ship directly in the box. So there's not a bunch of extra packaging waste. But even better than that, Rothy's are made from recycled plastic water bottles. So cool. So to date, they've diverted over 25 million water bottles from landfills to uh, landfills and oceans. So you were yours to work, right? I do, yeah. Um, working at the comedy store, I have to be on my feet, especially on the weekends, for like five hours straight. Yeah. And they're really comfortable. And the comfort stays, too. They're not like, sometimes you get shoes and they're really comfy and then it wears down pretty quick and they kind of stop being really comfortable but these are like always comfortable yeah and they're yeah. super breathable so mm-hmm. you're, you don't get sweaty feet and did you just throw them in the washing machine and i can't believe they're made out of plastic bottles they're yeah. so comfortable I yeah they're them. really comfy they're rad so guys rothy's has an amazing deal for you guys if you use code ag at checkout to get free shipping with no minimum that's free shipping and free returns and exchanges on your rothy's shoe and trust me you won't want to return them anyway just head to go at rothy's.com that's r-o-t-h-y-s.com and enter ag to get your new favorite flats with free shipping you'll be glad you did Joining us today for the interview is the co-host of the Opening Arguments podcast, which is coming up on 300 episodes. Please welcome real-life lawyer Andrew Torres. Andrew, thanks for coming back on Muller, She Wrote. <laughs> AG, thanks for having me back on. I love coming on the show. Real-life lawyers. Yeah, well, you know, <laughs> somebody's got to do it. <laughs> I always love talking to you because I, I passed your one-question bar exam the last time I appeared on you. <laughs> <laughs> you you gave uh the without a doubt the best answer that a non-lawyer has ever given on our show and um a better than many lawyers we've had on the show so um well th- yeah thank uh, you i i attribute it to spending my nights days weekends and evenings and lunches reading court documents <laughs> yeah yeah no it it's it, it i i often say to people like a large part of what law school is, and particularly the first year of law school, is just, um, it, you know, it's kind of like f- immersive foreign language, right? Like you you have to learn all of the crazy words that lawyers use. And like, I, I think you've been so hip deep in, you know, these kinds of documents that, you know, you're you're starting to speak our language. And that's a little scary, but um, I know but there we go. Last week, I learned about uh, having to petition the court to file second amended complaints and uh, with the whole Corsi situation, which is just a shit show. But yeah, you get that. You get the one. You get one freebie. That's mm-hmm. <laughs> yep. And then you have to file for amended uh, stuff. And, and there was something about I don't even know. The language was crazy, but I worked it out. Google helped. So uh, I, <laughs> I want to ask you the past two weeks, first of all, have been bananas with regards to the 2020 census uh, citizenship question and Trump's attempt to add the question. Uh, can you give us a little brief breakdown uh, because it seems to be over now maybe yeah i i would say maybe on that right so um i look i thought you did a, a really great job uh, of this on the daily beans but basically um 
June tw- end of June, right? Because the uh, government has been saying all along, hey, we absolutely have to get this out to the printers by the end of June. Uh, they've represented that in two separate cases, right, in both New York and in Maryland, all the way up to the Supreme Court. The Supreme Court, end of June, um, super narrowly in an incredibly fractured opinion that uh, I would wager every amount of money I, I, I have. Uh, it's not that much, but still uh, that um, that this was going the other way until the Hofeller docs came out. Right. Like when when you read the, the decision in the Department of Commerce versus New York decision, um, it does not say what um, a lot of people have reported. On, you guys reported this correctly. But, um, you know, a lot of people are saying, oh, look, it's a win since, you know, citizenship question can't be on the census. Um, it doesn't say that. Right. It says uh, in general, substantively, it's totally fine to put a citizenship question on the census, even if there's evidence that that will depress uh a, a large swath of the population from answering the census. Uh, what it says is, but, you know, at the very, very end, yeah, we're kind of, you know, we, we managed to shame John Roberts into thinking that, uh, all right, when a document says in capital letters, how to advantage Republicans and non-Hispanic white people, um, that maybe that was just enough to, to shame Roberts into, into not signing on with the opinion. I, I firmly believe it, it was, going to go the other way until the Hofeller docs came out. The Hofeller docs are not a part of the Supreme Court opinion. Um, so Supreme Court remands back down to New York, uh, and there was a pending case in Maryland, the same thing, uh, for sanctions that are related to the Hofeller docs. And basically, the argument there is, um, hey, look, uh, government lawyers came into court and said a whole bunch of stuff that they knew wasn't true. Right. They said, oh, no, we we absolutely have to do this to enforce the Voting Rights Act. And now the Supreme Court has said, um, yeah, no, that that explanation is bullshit. Right. Like you 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 never intended to do that. You used the DOJ as a puppet uh, to, to write a letter that Wilbur Ross told them to write while all along secretly conferring with the, you know, uh, the, the 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 puppet master of gerrymandering, this guy, Thomas Hofeller, uh, to rig the census to advantage again republicans and non-hispanic white people and um and you can sanction lawyers for lying about stuff so um so that's what was kind of left to resolve uh it it went back uh to both uh trial courts and then um we had the amazing colloquy on the record uh in maryland uh judge hazel somebody uh, in front of whom i i practice i have a pending case in front of judge hazel um who uh was like uh i i talked to the government's lawyers on tuesday and they told me that uh the, the department of commerce was going ahead and printing the census without the citizenship question then i wake up on wednesday and i read a tweet from the president uh, which says, yes, we are. So um, I need you guys to, to, you know, come back from vacation, get in here and tell me uh, and, and, and basically gave them an ultimatum. And again, you, you did a great job summarizing this. Um, uh, either uh, we're going ahead uh, with discovery or you're prepared to sign a stipulation that says the question won't appear on the census. Uh, you gave them a a two-day deadline to Friday. Uh, Friday came and the government was like, well, sorry, we're not going to be able to sign that stipulation. So uh, so discovery is proceeding. Um, and, and put a pin in that because that's going to be important. And then uh, Trump tried to replace all the lawyers uh, in, in both cases. Um, and, and that's, look, it's really easy to understand how that happened. That happened because uh, these lawyers, per- particularly the lawyers in the New York case, 
um, who already ha- have been replaced once, right? Um, the, the, the New York case should have been handled by the DOJ lawyers for the, uh, for the, uh, sorry, the, the New York case should have been handled by the U S attorney's office for the Southern district of New York. Um, this is in footnote one in the, in the court's, uh, decision denying the government's lawyers, the rights, uh, the, the right to withdraw. Um, in, but in August 18, uh, the U S attorney's office withdrew, um, and they replaced them with the DOJ lawyers who were there. And, and now like those DOJ lawyers are, are in a position where they're like, look, um, Trump is going to make us say stuff that, uh, we, we personally are not going to be able to say with a straight face. Uh, it compromises our ethics. Um, so we need to get out. Andrew, Andrew, it reminds me of the wrath of Khan when they put the things in their ears and Chekhov says, <laughs> Chekhov says, he made us say things. He put things in our bodies, in our bodies. made us, made us do bad things. <laughs> I, that look, we know, I mean, a, uh, two point, that's a spectacular wrath of Khan reference. Uh, uh B like, look, when you read the Mueller report, right, especially volume two, like is replete with instances of Mueller uncovering the fact that various executive branch officials were directly instructed by Donald Trump to break the law. And then they were like, uh, uh-huh, Mr. President, we'll go get right on that. And then we're like, uh, we're not definitely we're definitely not doing that. Um, court filings are hard to fake. <laughs> yeah, go ahead. Well, so the court then says, no, you can't replace your lawyers we've got sanctions going on. We've got litigation in process. Right. And they're, and they're like, no, 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 you, you just can't replace all your lawyers. You can add lawyers all day if you want, but there are rules in the court that says if a, if a lawyer is going to leave, you have to give me a good reason why. And New York, uh, judge Furman was like, you didn't give any reasons. And then of course we know what happened in Maryland. Yep. And, and so, uh, c- crucially in judge Foreman's order, this is really, really genius. He says, look, if you want to withdraw, um, and, and I'm doing these backwards, right? But but number two, uh, you have to uh, sign a, a piece of paper that that says you're submitting to the continuing jurisdiction of the court uh, because we're, you know, this court may uh, issue sanctions against you as a as an individual for stuff you said in front of me, and you don't just get to you know cut and run like. Um, we're still trying to figure that out if we're going to sanction you. So, so you have to submit to the continuing jurisdiction of the court for the sanctions purposes. And also, and this is really the genius part, you have to sign a sworn affidavit under penalty of perjury from each lawyer seeking to withdraw, stating the, quote, satisfactory reasons for withdrawing at this stage, right? And that's, like, if we're going to get through, like, what Trump has done, Right. Like it's going to be through the the fact that like a lot of the look, some people are irrevocably compromised. Right. Like uh, I whiffed badly on Bill Barr. Um, I think, you know, all of us did. We sort of looked at him and like this guy's a long stand. You know, he's a Republican, but like, you know, he's he's not a a Trump toady and he's a Trump toady. Right. He's 100 percent. We've seen that. It's ridiculous. But but like. You can't corrupt the entire executive branch in three years, right? Lots of the the day-to-day work still has to be done by people who are not personally loyal to Trump. There aren't that many people in the country, right? And 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 these people know, like, you know, you're like you're you're a DOJ lawyer, like you're not going to have that job forever. Like you, you want to go. (laughs) But these lawyers were 
seemingly pretty upset that they were put in this position. I know that uh, one of the the lawyers was like, look, I am where you're at, judge, and I want to be candid with this court and I want to do the right thing. And then yet here we are. Yeah, yeah, that's uh, that that Judge Hazel transcript was just was heartbreaking, uh, you know, near the end where the counsel for plaintiffs uh, asked the judge and said, you know, I'd I'd really like to find out why the government, you know, said repeatedly and this court and the Supreme Court relied upon the representations that it absolutely had to know by the end of June. And here we are after the 4th of July and they're asking for the weekend. And clearly that date was a, you know, total, uh, was total pretext was, was, was complete nonsense. Um, and uh, really, really good point. Um, and then, and judge Hazel's response was, uh, quote, I understand that. I suspect we're not going to get a useful answer to that question. So I'm not sure I really want to wade into that at this juncture. End of quote. I, I mean, that is astonishing for a sitting judge to say, yeah, you got a great point. I'd like to know, but I don't think the lawyers in front of me are going to tell me the truth because I think they're not in control of their client anymore, who, by the way, is the president of the United States. Uh, it, I mean, that's just it, it, it's bonkers. So um so that's all right. So that's all the, the procedural stuff. Uh, Trump, I was shocked by this. I don't know if you were shocked. I, I predicted the other way because, uh, of course, Trump scheduled the press conference at 5 p.m. And I recorded the show at 3 p.m. yesterday. Um, but but I predicted the other way, right? Like that Trump with Bill Barr in tow was going to head into the press conference and announce that he was going to uh, promulgate an executive order to uh, include the citizenship question on the census. Um, he didn't do that. I think he didn't do that because Bill Barr told him you have zero chance of that working, right? Like the district court is going to enjoin that the second you promulgate it. And uh, either through, you know, actual litigation or just, you know, through running out the clock, like the Supreme Court's not going to get to that. If they do, you're probably going to lose Roberts. Like it, 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 I, I think that that was the advice that was conveyed. And not to mention he probably, had, you know, Barr probably said, and not to mention the Department of Justice lawyers here who now are facing sanctions and who you have turned into giant incredible liars, yep. uh, non-credible, not incredible, but both uh, liars. <laughs> That's a non-credible so, hole. There. <laughs> Keep going. We, we have, <laughs> we have, we have no case, right? And, and, uh, and he, he did, he caved. I was surprised too. I thought he was for sure going to just make an executive order or a presidential memorandum or whatever the fuck he does right. to say, we're going to put this, uh, I thought for sure also they were printing this the the census with the question on it or at least maybe two versions of it just in case i'd i'd be interested to see if that went down i it, i would be very interested to see if that went down that will be like that kind of discovery is potentially relevant to the sanctions motion so hopefully uh plaintiffs counsel in in new york and maryland will ask that question because if they do i think they would be entitled to an answer and to documents and to copies right um but but uh but let's not I mean, take our eye off the wall. Like, look, this is this is good that we were able to stop them from hijacking from a plan that would weaponize the census to hijack districts in Democratic states and con and con and convey them over to red states. Right. Like literally taking votes away from people, seats away from individuals in Congress by encouraging underreporting um, what the Trump administration is going to do uh, and already started doing yesterday is they're going to keep 
speaking about this, right? They, you know, there was an executive order uh, requiring all executive agencies to turn over citizenship data, blah, blah, blah. That's not just trying to pacify the right wing base and saying, see, look, we are still going to be it. That is designed to, to promote a campaign of misinformation out to the low information households that the whole point of this of adding the citizenship question in the first place was was to target right people who would think absolutely the the census is now tainted per, and even if even if uh, they don't go forward with a misinformation campaign which they will it's already tainted yep and and the plaintiffs at least in Maryland have already raised that possibility and judge hazel was potentially uh, on board. I mean, you know, you read you read the transcript. Um, he was potentially on board with issuing relief beyond just enjoining the government from putting the, the, the citizenship question on the census. Right. He said, well, what if, you know, I issue some kind of order requiring the Department of Commerce to combat misinformation coming from the government wherever its source um, which was, again, that blew me away. That was uh, do I need to issue an order to keep the president from lying? Yeah. And 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 written written in exactly that way, because Judge Hazel can't enjoin the president. Right. But what he can do is he can enjoin. Uh, I say can't. He, it would be a fight. Right. Like it, it, he, he doesn't clearly have the power to enjoin the president, but he clearly has the power to enjoin the Department of Commerce party to the case subject to the court's jurisdiction from and 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 you can issue an affirmative injunction right you can say look you won't do this you won't add the citizenship question and also affirmatively you will do this thing right which is he can say um you will issue a press release uh every you know every time uh the white house says you know nonsense right like it it it, it would be totally unprecedented right as as judge hazel says like this is kind of a weird spot for the judiciary to be in, but here we are, right? And it is. So um, look, those sanctions proceedings are still going to go forward. And I, I mean, Judge Hazel is um, conservative, small C by temperament, right? He's a he's a he's a sober, honest head, you know, head down, uh, you know, in the books kind of judge. Um, he 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 might say, all right, like uh, you know, this is it. We've got it. The 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 government has admitted defeat. We're done. Uh, but but. I suspect plaintiffs' counsel will ask him to revisit the question of you, you got to protect us from disinformation. So, um, so still stuff worth watching, and 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 still a fight worth having. Yeah, it's not over by a long shot. So we'll we'll obviously be keeping everyone apprised of that. Let's see. Finally, did you hear the oral arguments today in the Mazar's case? I'm super cool, so I actually listened to them, <laughs> um, and uh, they were pretty pretty amazing. And do you, I was wondering if you had read up anything. Do you have any feeling on which way the panel is leaning? I'll tell you, Judge Rao uh, was pretty tough on Douglas Letter, who is, you know, fighting on behalf of uh, the Oversight Committee. But um, it seemed like the other two judges were really giving it to, what's his name, Ross? Yeah, yeah, something. Yeah, um, Con Ross, Con, uh, Ra Con yeah, yeah, Con, Con Consovoy, um, who uh, Consovoy. Bill, Bill Consovoy, who uh, not much of a lawyer in, his, in, in my view. His argument was so he was basically arguing that the Congress doesn't have any oversight over the office of the president, and it was just everyone was like, "Wait, what? Can you? How? What could you possibly? Huh?" And it just went on like that for a long time. Yeah, it seemed to me like the other two, and I think this is a panel of three, and it's a two, a two, you know, best two out of three Rochambeau. <laughs> here, but I think that the other two are going to go for 
allowing uh, Mazars to respond to this subpoena. Um, I'm sure it'll be appealed up, but uh, I don't know. I was and I, I kind of was also wondering if this had anything to do with the possible delay of the Mueller testimony. Maybe they're waiting for this shit, but I don't think that this Mazars case could be uh, decided any time in the next, you know, couple weeks, let alone the next five or six months. Yeah, I, I, I think you're exactly right on all of that. Um, so, yeah, I don't think it has anything to do with uh, with Delaying Mueller. Um, your read is entirely correct. The panel, it's a three judge panel before the, the D.C. Circuit. Um, the 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 two judges to tell and uh, Patricia Millette um, to tell was a, a Bill Clinton appointee, Patricia Millette, an Obama appointee. Um, pretty reliably i mean not not crazy leftist but like pretty reliably liberal judges uh naomi rao uh, it, it, this is this is, another, is is a trump appointee uh federalist society goon um and you know an activist um and and it's very very weird right like if i were consovoy if i were the lawyer for the president tasked with this impossibly stupid argument uh in the face of right look is you covered right this is this is the appeal of uh judge Maida's decision may 20th decision right which was which you covered on the show we covered on the show like um you know judge Maida is a is a is a friend of mine and, and former colleague so you know as i'm fulsome in the praise like keep that in uh that disclaimer in in mind but like that's a brilliant opinion and it's bulletproof on appeal and you know it was that was the one that was like you know you you have managed to uh you know to do what james buchanan could not i mean you know it was that was that was a really great one that's right he opened up with a quote from buchanan and it was just it was it was a brilliant piece of writing it's one of my favorite things i've read this year to come out of the courts yeah it was it was really good and so like and, and again the heart of that opinion right as you saw in oral argument was um, Congress has broad investigatory uh, authority. Um, I, I did. I, I think I, I've one up your geekiness. Um, I, I was on the road uh, during the oral arguments, so I came back and read the transcripts. <laughs> so um, that, you know, we, we are wonder twin geek powers activate there. Well, I wish I would have read it because some of the stuff that Conseroy was saying, I was seriously m- much like uh, two out of the three judges. I was like, what are you like and and the, like did you read about watergate like what are you even talking about right the fuck now it just made zero sense to me that he that they're saying oh no there's no check on the presidency from congress the burr, burr, burr. and then and then of course Doug Letter is like, this is a private third party. There's no accountant privilege. You can't these these documents belong to them. It's not- <laughs> and, and 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 I thought like out of the box. So 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 anyway, I mean to cut to the punchline, it's going to be at least two one uh, affirming the the district court opinion. Um, they may even lose Rao, right? Like they they probably won't. Uh, but um. It, it, but out of the box, they were like, um, you're saying that this is, you know, really pretextual, but like H.R. 1 is on records disclosure. And then and Consovoy is like, yeah, well, we think that's unconstitutional. And and the court was like, well, that's nice and all, but like that's still actual, actual congressional action. Like, are we supposed to hold that Congress is kidding? I mean, that, that's that's almost the question they asked, right? Like, uh, you, you want us as a court to say, we think they weren't really serious when they passed that H.R. 1. This is really about, you know, arresting the president. And and you could almost kind of hear the come on in the background. I, 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 the, 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 the other thing I will I will just land on is that, that 
throughout this. I don't I just don't know why. Like this part of why I think Constable is not a good lawyer. Like their brief cites to like four different Naomi Rao law review articles that she wrote, right? Like they're very clearly trying to pick up Rao. Like I I, I don't know. Like do, do they think if there's a minority report like that, you know, that they that they can spin it as a win? I, I like I don't even know what the game is, but like, yeah, that's dumb. It's it's not Rao that you want to convince. <laughs> yeah, Do you, you you've got yeah, Rao. You got her. Yeah, convince one of the other two with a legit legal argument. And I I just love that he kept saying like, I think uh, I think it was even I think it might have been the other judge. She's like, can you tell me of a time when it's okay for Congress to provide oversight to the yeah. office of the presidency? Any examples yeah. at all? Yeah, and 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 again, like that the the position like, and when a judge asks you that that sort of question right and they're like so essentially the rule you're arguing for here has no bright line and there's no possible way that we can implement it like that, that's not a real good sign right so yeah it, it, it i i was i was very encouraged by that so since we've had a lot of you know depressing stuff in this segment we at least we get to end with uh like i i think this is really really clear and those records are coming out and and you know this is something you have preached from the beginning of your show and you know i talk about on my show all the time like the 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 wheels of justice churn slowly it's a lengthy process and you know this is actually moving along pretty quickly for court stuff right yeah they 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 put it in a, on a pretty fast track but i, I was going to ask you when do you think um, I mean, because the judges come back, let's say it's two to one or three to nothing that, that the, the case they can, you know, the House Oversight Committee wins. I am assuming it will be appealed to a circuit court and then possibly go to the Supreme Court. We're looking well into next year. Well, this was this was the D.C. Circuit. Oh, that's right. So the appeal from here, yeah, is to the Supreme Court. And and it would not surprise look like more likely than not. The Supreme Court will grant cert because it's a case involving the president. Um, on the other hand, like it, it wouldn't surprise me, right, if Roberts goes to the Howler Monkey contingent and says, "Guys, like you know, you four can grant." And by that, you know, I mean uh, Alito, Thomas, uh, Gorsuch, and Kavanaugh, um, and 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 goes to those because because look, John Roberts is ninety six percent as conservative as those guys. It's just that he can be shamed from time to time, right? Like, and the census case is a good example of that, right? Like because it's called the Roberts Court. Right. And he doesn't want his grandkids taking AP U.S. history to read in the textbook like the Roberts court is the most disgraced court in it, you know, in, in U.S. history, you know, narrowly uh, edging out the, uh, you know, the court that, that passed the Dred Scott decision. Right. Like he, he cares about that institutional legacy um, slightly more than he cares about ruling in favor of conservative outcomes in every single case. Again, it's it's close. Right. It's neck and neck. It's a thin reed to hang something on so they'll they'll hear it but you you don't think that they'll maybe i mean because isn't there a, like a short way to hear it just to give hand down a decision without actually hearing it but you're still hearing it yeah they they, they certainly could um uh, but but i think it is i think it is possible that that roberts might convince the court uh you know convince the the howler monkey continue look you only need four votes for cert uh but do you really want to take this up and you know have me rule the other way um, now, they, they may still want that because, again, delay serves the purpose of the president. Um, so, you know, so Rao may take a long time writing her dissent. Uh, the, the Supreme Court may grant cert. Um, but but at the end of the day, like we're going to get 
this is going to be brought to a conclusion, you know, no later than spring of 2020. Uh, I, I wish it were earlier than that. Uh, but, you know, but at some point, like, um, you know, there's there's the end of the line. So, yeah, but spring 2020 is also a real nice time for the election. Um, so, yeah, you know, you win some, you lose some. There's pros, there's cons. Um, and uh, yeah, that's I mean. I don't know. I, I think it's an open and shut case. I, I'm I'm putting all my beans on the oversight committee winning here. They have the, the Congress has broad investigative authority. They just always have. And if you rule that they don't, that's yeah, like uh, your legacy is shameful. And I'm glad that Roberts cares about it a little bit. He's one of the last people on earth to care. So yeah. Yeah. <laughs> at least yeah. on the side of the right, uh, but because Barr clearly doesn't give a shit about his legacy. Uh, so we'll see what happens but that i you know i and and, I, and, I, and i've asked this before but like if you traveled back in time right and it's january of 2017 like we're all nursing that massive hangover uh in, in which we can't believe that this is the america we've, we've woken up in and and you took a look at that like first roster of trump appointees right that that was you know each one more terrifying than the last and and you know and jeff sessions as attorney general was certainly one of the terrifying ones right and and if at the time instead of jeff sessions it had been bill barr you would have been like okay well look like these all these picks are terrible but like this is you know this is like a rex tillerson not like a betsy devos right like we would have been happy if it had been Bill Barr and in in retrospect, like, thank the Republic for the ethics of Jefferson Beauregard Sessions, the third, like, ha, ha, wow, like, but 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 really, like, Barr at Barr Ben AG, like he wouldn't have recused himself. There would have been no Rod Rosenstein. There would have been no Mueller like it. it uh, yeah. So um, everybody. Thank the ethics of Jeff Sessions. <laughs> it's hard to do. Uh, I have to bend over backwards to do that. Yeah, no. <laughs> um, yeah. Before I let you go, do you have any idea why the House Judiciary Committee is negotiating with the Department of Justice rega- regarding the rules they're developing for the, the Mueller hearing? And Because we've just learned today, a couple about an hour ago, that this could be delayed a week uh, because the Dems, as we uh, spoke before we uh, turned the recording on here, uh, seem to want to really they care about their their five minutes in the spotlight uh, instead of what the purpose of the hearing is, is which is to get the information in the Mueller report to the public. Yeah. Um, so yeah, this is another classic example of like, you know, you can give Democrats the football on the one yard line and, you know, they, they want to draw up some like super complicated passing play instead of like just diving over the goal line. Oh, my God, you're right. The Democrats are playing the Democrats are playing Marty ball. Yeah, you're, you're exactly right. Yeah. They're Marty Schottenheimering the country right now. Uh-huh. Uh you've got yeah, you got you got beast mode, you got four downs, all you have to yeah, anyway. Um it it's 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 crazy. Um what they should do is what the Republicans did in the Kavanaugh hearings. Bring in a prosecutor and yield all of your time to the prosecutor so that the prosecutor can with 2 hours under his belt in a very lawyerly way get uh, Robert Mueller to say the stuff that's in the Mueller report, right? Because I honestly believe that would be transformative, right? Like, like the Mueller, I think you and I sort of share the the feeling of like, um, we got this bombshell Mueller report and like, 
because it's long and Republicans can't read like it hasn't made an impact like that's nonsense. Right. But when the guy who wrote it is on the stand and you're like, hey, um, so can you tell me like, uh, you know, can can you just read this portion of the Mueller report out yeah. loud? And then he reads it out loud like that. That would have a huge effect. Right. And but no, the Democrats are going to do their stupid. Everybody gets five minutes because our freshman congressman on the uh, you know, House Oversight or the House Judiciary Committee uh, needs an opportunity to grandstand for five minutes, despite the fact that, you know, they're a former hockey player and like, you know, know less about the law than, you know, is is left on the grounds from, you know, it, it, it's just it's going to be a, a nightmare. And Mueller doesn't really I mean, he said out loud, like he doesn't want to testify. Um, he's not a pithy guy. Right. Like he's he's not. Uh, a, a James Comey type, right? Who Comey knew how to work the press um, and, you know, knew how to give pithy answers. Um, Mueller is just a, it's just a lawyer, right? Like, and as you've seen from this interview, like lawyers are long winded and we meander and like, we don't make pithy points and we're garbage. And like, and, and look, even if he wants to like it, these, these five minute sessions are going to be like, preliminary question and then Mueller's going to give a wandering answer for four minutes and 52 seconds and then time's going to be up um i'm really i'm really disappointed and um you know hopefully some folks coordinate to come in to like make sure that just like some basic questions get asked and 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 answered so um you know look like Getting the question, did you intend for Congress to make the decision or did you intend for the attorney general to exonerate the president? Um, that's a good question to ask, right? Because I think Mueller will say, I, I intended for Congress to make that decision, right? And that will be a, a, that will be big, right? J just saying, like, if the individual were not, uh, I want to make sure, uh, you know, Mr. Mueller, I'm reading this correctly. Um, if the individual were Donald Smith instead of Donald Trump, you would have recommended an indictment in this case, right? Like it, it, it just asking those questions will help, but you know, asking structured systematic follow-up questions would, would make this a lot more powerful. I agree. I agree. Uh, and I just, before I let you go, I want to go on record. You gave me permission to interrupt you and you aren't hurt by my interruptions. Is that correct? I actually told you to interrupt me more and, uh, and I interrupted you. So, um, so anybody upset about interruptions, all of that hate mail should go to open arguments at gmail.com. Let the record show. Uh, <laughs> I always get emails. Uh, so I just wanted to make that clear that <laughs> you and I had a little pre-conversation about this because you and I tend to talk a lot. So, uh, it was all agreed upon before these hearings proceeded that counsel could interrupt one another. And so I just and I'm not really a lawyer, but you are an honorary lawyer in my I'm interrupting. Uh, you are an honorary lawyer in my book. So, oh, well, thank you so much. You're an honorary comedian. So I appreciate you. <laughs> That beats more to me than my law degree, actually, I think. <laughs> I know. All this stuff that I'm doing means more to me than my doctoral dissertation. And for some reason, that took me two years to write 200 pages, and now I do it in a week. But here we are. Um, all right, guys. Real Life Lawyer, co-host of the Opening Arguments podcast, who will be joining us July 17th at the World Life Cafe as part of the Philly Podfest, Andrew Torres. Andrew, thanks for coming on Mueller, she wrote. Oh, AG, thank you so much for having me on. This is so much fun. All right, guys, that's our show. I love that interview. Andrew Torres is so great. I can't wait to see him in Philly. It's going to be so much fun. And um, you guys, we, we've got a few tickets left for that show. So, so grab them while you can. Uh, we're going to have Asha Rangapa with us as well. So it's going to be super loads of awesomeness. Um, she's amazing. Um, she's so super smart, whip smart. 
and just, you know, former FBI agent. She's just cool. She could be able to answer a lot of questions about the now upcoming Mueller testimony, yeah. <laughs> not the just finished Mueller testimony. Yeah. Um, that guys, that I mean, that's it. Do you have any last final thoughts or anything? No, not really. Have a good rest of your weekend. Uh, whatever hours remain of it once we release this. <laughs> <laughs> There's like two hours left. Sorry. Yeah. Quick, go out. Enjoy it. Um, but yeah, no, thanks for listening. And check out Daily Beans next week when we launch it. Oh, it's going to be so cool. Yeah. And uh, happy Pride, San Diego. Mm-hmm. And uh, Comic-Con's coming up next week. We're going to have an interview. This is cool. After uh, Philly, we've, we're going to have somebody on that was uh, who's doing the comic book, the illustrated comic book of the Mueller Report. So she'll be on with us. And that's that, rad. I'm doing that in honor of Comic-Con. So. Yeah, yeah, that's good. It'll be fun. Yep. We'll see you guys in Philly. Take care of yourselves. Take care of each other. I've been AG. I've been Jordan Coburn. And this is Mueller, she wrote. Muller She Wrote is produced and engineered by AG with editing and logo design by Jaleesa Johnson. Our marketing consultant and social media manager is Sarah Lee Steiner, and our subscriber and communications director is Jordan Coburn. Fact-checking and research by AG, and research assistance by Jaleesa Johnson and Jordan Coburn. Our merchandising managers are Sarah Lee Steiner and Sarah Hirschberger Valencia. Our web design and branding are by Joel Reeder with Moxie Design Studios, and our website is MullerSheWrote.com. W Media.